Welcome to the Dare to Move podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Wood, and I'm not your life coach, just a girl who never gives up. You guys, today we have such an epic guest. I literally just did the podcast with him yesterday, and I thought to myself, I need to publish this tomorrow. This is epic. We have Gary Boomershine here with us today. He is a real estate investor, a Fortune 500 consultant. He has a company called REI Vault, Real Estate Investors Vault, the private sales and marketing agency for elite real estate investors and agents. He has basically learned how to help people market their business as well, help people scale their businesses. And honestly, we are going to talk about scaling a lot today in the sense of how to hire the right people, how to let go of trying to do it all, how to make the most use of your time. He has so many great resources for and everything from life hacks to journaling to books we should all be reading to literal things that you can do on his website today to help you. So I, I'm just absolutely stoked to get into this today. You're going to learn that like all the other amazing people that have been on this podcast, he has truly created a life of his design. He is running four different businesses. He was recently featured on Fox Business. He has a podcast. He's in nine masterminds. The guy is on fire, but you, what you're going to hear today is how he tries really hard that his intention, it is very intentional, his mindfulness his schedule, the way he acts at home, the way he delegates to other people, the people he chooses to surround himself with. It's all so intentional. So whether you're in real estate or not, you're going to have major takeaways today. For people who are in real estate, you're also going to have major takeaways. So I'm very, very excited for you guys to hear all that Gary Boomershine has to say. And if you keep, if you hear something you like, which is what I did throughout the podcast interview, and you want to take notes, but you're driving or something like that, just scroll through the show notes when you stop and you can see them right there and you can screenshot it. I don't have, I don't, I don't like to listen to podcasts like when I can note take. I usually do them when I'm active and I need to be hands free. So I put some important, important highlights from the show in the show notes and obviously links where you guys can find Gary. I seriously hope you guys love this episode. If you do, please comment, give us a good rating. It's very helpful and go check out Gary's podcast. I put that in the show notes as well. So without further ado, I am so excited to announce Gary Boomershine. Awesome. Great. I'm glad we could get in touch. Yeah, for sure. Where are you located? I'm in Boston. Uh, you're on the other side of the island. I live Boston. I'm, I'm about 45 minutes from San Francisco. Wow. We are on the opposite sides. <laughs> yeah. I just, just got back from uh, fly fishing. I, <clears throat> we're, we're a big... Uh, are you familiar with Traction, the book? Yeah. I yeah, haven't so read it, but uh, I've heard of it. Oh, it's fantastic. It's a, been a life-changing uh, book for me. And actually, my wife and I have our own model where we're following Traction, but there's this concept of a same page meeting. And so the CEO and your visionary, visionary and integrator, I should say, so CEO, C, uh, CEO, are supposed to have a same page meeting, <clears throat> typically quarterly. So I like to do mine in a cool place. So I've been planning uh, Montana. So wow. we actually had uh, a whole week in Montana, 
fly fishing and then the wives actually came out we rented this super cool place right on the river and and uh so i'm just i, I just got back and i'm super refreshed i was gonna say and, i'd be on a high oh yeah totally and my wife it was the first time i've been going to montana for 20 years it was the first time i got her out there on a fly rod wow <laughs> that's so fun i grew up going to a ranch in the middle of nowhere and no cell service, no nothing. And um, I'm actually going again next summer for the first time in like 10 years. Very excited about it. So I appreciate oh, the awesome. nature part of just yeah. getting creative. Uh, me too. You know, awesome. it's, it's every, t every time I do that, I just get super refreshed. And then I, I, po I posted a ton of stuff on Instagram. Like I, I have my morning minute and most of it last week was in, uh, in Montana. So cool. I love that. And I, I saw you're active on social media and I appreciate that so much because it's it's a hustle, but it's so necessary. And doing things like this, podcasting, speaking, it's kind of necessary. So yeah. um, I, I love that. I'm going to link your podcast in the or your sorry, Instagram is in the, in the show notes. Um, but to get started, if you're if you're ready to jump into it, I typically start with a quote. Today's quote is just general it's not specific to real estate at all but i like to jump in with a quote so people can get to know who you are based on your immediate reaction and the quote is that the purpose in life is to discover your gift and the meaning of life is to give it away how does that strike you uh actually probably at the core so um i call it i actually just had the same conversation. I've got two daughters. I've got a, a daughter who's a junior, actually just nice. starting today as a junior in college. And then I have a sophomore in high school. And I said to Haley, because she's trying to figure out her career. And I said, you know what, hon? I'm like, if you can find your passion, what you're passionate about and what you're uni uniquely are gifted and you can make those intersect, um, that's Nirvana. That's what you should be searching for. And, and I, I'm a big, uh, big believer in um, really finding your genius zone. Mm -hmm. I think for me, I think for me, like I, I've, I've been an entrepreneur. Uh, I came out of technology, went into real estate full time in 2004, and really, it was really probably the first 10 years I didn't figure it out. I kind of I remanifested what I learned and became a workaholic. Mm. And it's so easy, right? We become entrepreneurs, but it's really easy to get lost. And it was really the last five or four or five years that I really cracked the code of, of, of learning how to connect that passion and our unique gift. And by the way, it didn't come by me. I, I would say divine intervention. Wow. And also, and also really good coaches. I've had really, really good coaches and mentors. And I would say for people out there that are sort of searching, you know, your, your loyal uh, followers, I would just say, you know, finding really good coaches and really focusing on sort of the vision of where, where you want to be and, and, and not, and being persistent and relentless. Um, I call it the perfect day, mm. like, like really, really standing back and thinking, okay, what is my perfect day? If I didn't have to worry about money mm -hmm. and I didn't have to worry about, you know, the day-to-day -day, uh, work, what would I be doing? Who would I be doing it with? What, what, what would I smell? Like the types of, you know, things, mm -hmm. pick, pick some day, day in the future. And, and I did that. I actually started in 2009 with that and I carried it in my pocket for three years and wow. I actually just rewrote it. I just rewrote it a year ago. So I got a new one, but my, my 
my thing, my one sentence is that I create money-making ideas that I can pass to a team that gets it, and then they make it better than my original idea. I get really, I'm really passionate about coming up with things that I, I don't like to be working by myself. I really like to have a team with me, but I get more excited when they actually make it their own. And I, I, I really don't even like the credit. I don't feel like I, it's not like an ego thing. It's more of like, you know, watering plants and then watching them grow and mm. seeing them bloom. And I really, I really am passionate about that. I absolutely love that. And I had a similar idea with a friend once about setting up your intention for what you want to do, because it forces you to really focus on who you are. And some of us don't really discover who we are in a while. And that quote made me think of you because it's one thing to be an entrepreneur and it's another thing to be in the throes of owning a business, but also teaching what you've learned and passing it on. And I noticed from afar that you are speaking, you are teaching, and you're putting what you've learned out there, which I obviously admire, and I'm in real estate as well. So we're gonna talk about that today and get into how you found your coaches and why you love them and what you give away in a moment. Uh, but the second question I typically ask people is, you're sitting on a plane, and someone looks at you and says, what do you do? And I'd love to know how you answer because a lot of the people I'm talking to do like at least 10 things. So by asking what they would tell a stranger, it kind of um, gives my listeners a look at how the person I'm talking to sees themselves in this world. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because um, I actually <laughs> have the same conversation about being on a plane and and uh, sometimes it's actually raising money because I a lot of people that know me also know that um, you know I'm on the real estate side pri primarily I run realestateinvestor.com so um, but a lot of it has to do with raising money I've always been kind of a money magnet and mm. so when people ask pe when people ask me what I do I basically tell them that um, that I actually run a couple of companies in the real estate niche I'm super excited about and one in particular is um, I do trust deed investing, and um, I have my. It's basically we're we're investing in in assets backed by real estate and a pretty conservative investment. I've been doing it a long time. My in laws and my my mom, who's eighty five, invest with me and and uh, really really love it. And then I usually say, and so what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> And it creates this amazing conversation. I was actually flying to Salt Lake City, and uh, an investor that's still investing me with me today actually was wow. sitting there having the same dialogue. And I said that to her, and then she said, "Gosh, I want to learn a little bit more about what you do." And then she said, "Is there any way I could piggyback um, on on any of the stuff that you're doing?" And she still, to this very day, is an investor with wow. me. Uh, but yeah, I you know I I I love creating businesses. Um, I would say at the core of what we do, in fact, you can actually see it at realestateinvestor.com, is to, to create a measurable difference that impacts lives. Um, to create a measurable difference that impacts lives. And it, for us as a company and for me at the core, it really, real estate is just a widget. It's just a vehicle because it's brick and mortar. And, you know, you look around us here in America and it's abundance, right? I was actually in San Diego uh, speaking and I said, look out the window. I mean, there's product everywhere. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love real estate. Um, you know, there's lots of different ways to do it. And, and people have made fortunes. And But you still, like any business, 
you have to run it like a business. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that's, I, I, I do things in the real estate niche because I, I love the brick and mortar and mm. the products there. And so I've got a, I've got a, I've got a real estate flipping business in four different markets. I have a lending business where we're lending money, um, uh, typically to other investors that are buying properties. I like to, in this particular market, I'm pretty conservative on that. And then kind of our flagship company is realestateinvestor.com, which is a large marketer in the real estate niche for agents and investors um, where we're doing their marketing. I've got a, a large team of almost 100 people that's managing all the marketing and uh, cold calling mm. and phone so a lot of real estate agents that are uh, and investors that are buying properties full time, they would contract us to go find the properties and do all of the legwork so that they can actually just get on the phone with scheduled appointments. And that's been amazing. that's been a lot of fun. So that, yeah. Wow, that's a major major big scale to be operating on. Uh, and I also got my start in the professional world, cold calling. So I totally understand the value of learning that skill and then teaching it to other people because it's not easy and the hustle's real. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah the, hus the hustle is real. And I think part of it is it's really easy for us to get lost again in the business. And I think for me, it's, it's like, you know, real estate or being a business owner and I don't, whether you're a real estate agent or, or broker or investor, or small business owner, you want to run it like a business. So CEOs, if you're doing $10 an hour work, you're going to have a $10 bank account. Mm. And, um, and so really knowing what your value is and then understanding leverage. A lot of people know how to borrow or leverage other people's money. But one of the things that's even more important, I think, is leveraging other people's time and resources and expertise. And so leveraging people is how all businesses run in America, right? So if you're able to be a CEO, uh, a business owner, and you can actually get somebody below you that's doing the work, let's say that your value is $250 an hour. Um, and by the way, $250 an hour is a $500,000 bank account at the end of the year. So that's <laughs> what you'd be worth if you're working 40 hours a week, right? You take um, $500,000, 40 hours a week, it works out to $250 an hour. So if you could actually hire somebody really good below you for $20 an hour, you're going to get a massive leverage on their time. And the ROI on that's huge. Um, I'll give all of your listeners a little tool. You can put this in the show notes. Yeah. But I actually created, I created a little tool. We give it to our clients and our coaching students, um, reivault.com. So reivault.com dot com forward slash your time ROI. <laughs> That's awesome. And because it's and so it's a little tool that we use just to remind people, hey, let's let's see what the value of your time is. Mm -hmm. And then it's also a calculator where you can say, hey, if I if I'm doing a particular job and I'm spending let's say 12 hours a week and I could actually get somebody below me for $20 an hour, it'll actually show show you how many hours and how many weeks of time you've saved a year and what your wow. ROI is. What is the value on that resource? I think it's super helpful for a lot of us entrepreneurs. Wow, that is so helpful. And everything you just said gave me a, many more questions for you. And you mentioned being a money magnet, magnet, and we've talked a lot on this podcast with financial experts, with saving money, business owners, 
lots of things to do with money. So we're going to get into that. But before that, I kind of want to know what came first for you. Was it you working to put good content and put businesses together, make money and start hiring? Or was there a time when you realized you had to take the risk to start hiring people to produce more, to get the machine kind of in motion? Because I think that's what a lot of people struggle with. Do I make money first, then hire? Do I start the business first, then hire? Like, what advice would you give people? Yeah. Well, I started it the wrong way. Uh, Don't we all? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And so 2004 to really 2013, I was doing great. We were making money, but I was a workaholic. I was probably 40 to 50 pounds heavier than I am now. Um, I, you know, I, I, I have two daughters. They never saw me in the early days. I was kind of an absent dad. And when I was home, my brain was like so tired because I'd been working. I mean, working weekends, working evenings. And it wasn't until really 2013, you know, there's the old, um, there's the saying, it's, it's the quote from Einstein. Almost every one of us have heard it, right? But it's like repeating, the, what the definition of insanity is repeating the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Yep. And so I wanted to, I really stood back, this is in two, 2013, and I said, you know what? I built a foundation more on sand, and I really want to build a foundation on rock. So mm. I really started in 2013 saying, I really want to do... I want to rebuild. And um, sometimes, you know, if you're if, like in real estate, you can't build a house on a partially burnt down property. You have to take it down to the foundation mm-hmm. and you've got to build it on the foundation. That's also biblical, right? Building a foundation on rock. And so that was where I started. Um, we started with kind of like what kind of lifestyle I wanted. Where, where did I want to go? And I can tell you, I really wanted to build a company um, where people like loved what they were doing. I wanted to be a really good CEO and have a team that was empowered, inspired. Like I've got a team today. I have over 40 people that work for me in India, and I've got a large, a very large phone team in the Philippines. And I would tell you, the team is just incredible. Um, we're totally distributed. Got a team here in the U.S. as well, but everybody's connected. Um, there's clarity, and and so I was very deliberate. So for your for your listeners, I would say, st- stepping back is so important to to get clarity um, on you know the the vision and what it is that you want and what you stand for at the core, the core values. Um, there's a book you and I chatted about this at the very beginning. There's a book. It's actually sitting on my uh, desk. I've given out probably 500 of these copies. It's called Traction. Um, a lot of people probably that are listening to this right now have heard it, but that is Traction by Gina Wickman has been a life changer for me because it really starts with a model. And by the way, Traction is a um, for entrepreneurs. They have a, a business model called EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System. And if you follow it, and the people that I know that have followed it have have really had life-changing experiences because it's about first and foremost about getting clarity of vision. And it doesn't, this is not a long exercise, but it's a hard exercise because you have to step out of the business and really think about who we are. And another, another thing, this is a quote from a friend of mine. I'm in a mastermind with him, Ed Thompson. 
And he basically said, you know, as a CEO, you have to fix yourself before you can fix your business or fix your team. It really starts with us. Mm-hmm. And if we're a mess, if we're a workaholic, or if we're always running on 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 fumes and you know chaos around us, the the rest of the business is going to be like that. So we have to fix ourselves first. And I think you start by having the vision of where you want to go, and um, and what does it look like? So you could start out. The, the traction book is typically five to ten years out. For a lot of us in real estate, that's a long time, right? Yeah. So I started three years out and said, cool. what do we want to look like? What do we want to look like in three years? Um, what, what, what do I, you know, for me as the CEO, what, is, what do I want my life to look like? And, um, and being really deliberate. And then you break it into the one-year plan. Mm-hmm. So now that you know where you're going over three to five years, then it's, you know, what, what it looks like in one year. And you map that out. And then you break it up into the next 90 days of what are the couple of rocks that need to happen might be hiring a sales acquisition manager. Um, it might be hiring a, a coach, a CEO coach, or maybe it's a personal trainer. Maybe maybe uh, you and I are definitely into the health and mm. wellness. And so I have I have four coaches. Wow. <laughs> I have four personal coaches. In fact, one of them is a personal trainer who now has become a sales acquisition manager for me so cool. on the real estate side as well. But he's uh, his name's Rob. Uh, even my wife is now starting to work out with him. Amazing. She was there this morning as I was. And so having a coach, having somebody that really helps you, know, you know, and pushes you a little bit further than you'd push yourself, I think is super important. What came first for you? Which coach, the trainer or CEO coach or masterminding? C- CEO. Yeah, CEO coach for sure. Um, the CEO coach was the first. I have a guy who's been coaching me for many years. His name's Willie. We call him Yoda. Um, he's a retired Silicon Valley. Yeah, and he doesn't say much, but you know he is. He's one of those guys that, like, I came to him. This is years ago, and said, "Willie, I'm really unhappy. I've got a successful business, but you know, I'm miserable. I never really wanted to be a CEO." This is years ago, and I said, "And I've got a big team, and it's kind of scary on top, and and uh, I'm always late." I feel like I'm always behind, you know, I don't have enough time. And then I'm constantly on email and the phone. And Willie said, Gary, as I've watched you, you know what I think your issue is? And I said, what? He goes, you don't know how to deal with free time. I'm like, oh my gosh. It was like, I was a punch in the gut, but it was so true. He said, you know, when you're on vacation, I bet you're thinking about business. Mm -hmm. He goes, your, your brain is always running. So And then I had time issue. So the first thing Willie did is he said, I'm going to make a challenge for you, Gary. I want you to take a six-week sabbatical right now. I want you to literally take your computer and your phone, give it to your employees, and say you're taking a six-week sabbatical. And I did. I'd never do that on my own. Wow. I did. What were the first, like, three days like? Brutal. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. I I, I was a lot heavier and... He's like, you know, I went and found, I went and started doing yoga and found a, uh, Bikram yoga. So I was like getting back into shape. This is many years ago, but that was, that was the first thing. Um, and, and then the second thing, uh, we were talking about time and he said, I have a, I have a rule now it's called five, 10, three. I think it's super important for us entrepreneurs, but five, 10, three. And if you follow me on Instagram, 
I have a morning minute every day where I post them. And I think this was like my second or third morning minute on Instagram. Um, but five, 10, three is here. Let me give a little backstory. So I told Willie, I'm always behind and didn't have enough time. He goes, Gary, how did Steve jobs or Jack Welch from G general electric, right? Hundreds of thousands of people working for him. How do they have the same amount of time and can do what they do, but mm -hmm. you can't, we all, Right. There's very we all have different amounts of money, but we all have the fixed amount of time in this life. Right. Mm -hmm. And he said, why don't you just wake up earlier and push your day out further? And that would give you more time. So I wake up. I used to be like a night owl. Right. But now not, not anymore. So now I wake up at five in the morning. That's the five. I don't start my work day ever until at least 10. So that gives me five hours of my own time that I make coffee for my wife. I journal, I read scripture, I go work, work out. out. And then during that time, I'm thinking of the one thing, right? Gary Keller actually has his book, the one thing I, I love that book, but the one thing is what's the one thing I'm going to do today. That's going to move the marker on the business. And then I focus on that first before I'm looking at email, get doing social media. And then, so that's the five, 10, and then the three is I work three hours as a CEO. And then the rest of the day is pretty much goofing off or what have you, so that I'm ending my day around four, 4.30. Mm -hmm. So five o'clock I wake up, 10 o'clock is when I start, that gives me five hours, and then three hours as a CEO doing high level money-making activities. It might be sending an email to an investor, it might be looking at a deal, it might be looking for like we just hired a big uh, marketing agency for our business because when I'm thinking I only have three hours, right? It totally changes my perspective. It's like I, I don't have a lot of time, so I have to make massive impact in what mm -hmm. I do. I think that's, that's really helpful for the listeners to break it down that way. And I think one of my biggest epiphanies when I launched, I have a nutrition business and I was doing that for a year. I took time off of real estate just to focus and nurture that business. And at that time, the four hour work week had come out or yeah. four hour work day or whatever it was. And I remember realizing that's so doable. He's not crazy because that's what I'm doing. Cause I have a lot of other things that I have to do during the day to feel like the best version of myself to utilize those three to four hours. So I, I love that. And I'm curious to know if, cause a lot of people who are curious about real estate and they don't know what they don't know, they either picture residential or they kind of think they know about commercial. What do your businesses focus on and why did you choose residential versus commercial? And what do you see as the benefits of each? Because I think a lot of people hear about the freedom and the flexibility of doing real estate and they'd like to know about it. They'd like to get into it. They're just not sure which ways for them. Yeah. Great question. Um, so I, I'm a little on the opportunistic side, like right now there is a massive amount of money in the single family market. That's where the real hot spots are, but there's a lot of money in multifamily. I know a lot of people, uh, and friends of mine that are doing incredibly well in multifamily or commercial or land. Uh, a lot of people that are actually um, locking up land and taking it all the way through approval. I have a buddy that actually locked up a property, he had no money into it at all. 
uh, locked it up and made three million bucks on it. He just takes it through the approval process. Uh, actually, it's a super interesting model. So there's lots of opportunities. There's lending. So there's also the private lending side. Um, I, when I said I'm a little opportunistic, it's because of the real estate's a cycle. Real estate is typically a seven to eight year cycle. We, we've gone way beyond that this time. So uh, it's been a cycle for well over 100 years. And um, so we're kind of like year nine, year 10. I call this more of the euphoric stage of real estate, which is kind of on the, on the tail end. Typically, there's a fairly substantial um, correction. So I'm planning for more. I'm a little bit more risk averse. I've been around a long time in real estate. So I'm taking chips off the table and uh, I really focused on not my assets. I don't like debt too much debt right now. So I really like to have more asset based, uh, you know, free and clear properties, uh, lending and first position. It's, it's properly uh, in, in the right position or owner financed deals. Mm -hmm. So seller finance deals that um, <clears throat> we're also wholesaling. So as real estate investors, we're finding properties and kind of uh, properties that need work. And then we're really kind of turning those properties pretty quickly. So it's 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 more marketing and sales related without a lot of capital uh, cost. So we're doing that. It's it's kind of a volume game that's really popular on the real estate side. A, a lot of agents may say, what is that? <laughs> but, you know, as a real estate investor, we'll do marketing. We'll find properties. We'll typically make a couple of offers to sellers, usually in all cash, you know, quick close, no realtor fee offer to a seller. Um, but we may also have a couple of other offers like, hey, we could also, uh, you know, refer this over to a realtor. You could sell this retail and we've got a realtor team involved. And so if a seller takes our all cash offer, we may actually just find another cash buyer and assign the contract and make mm -hmm. anywhere from 50. 15 to $25,000 assignment fee. And we do that all day long. That's, I know a lot of people are making two, $3 million a year doing that. Yeah, I believe it. And when so, you, when you first decided to get into real estate, what was step one for you? Yeah. So, um, I come from a real estate family okay. kind of our background. I, I was a licensed agent when I turned 18. So I just turned 50. And, um, so 1987, I was a licensed agent literally two weeks after turning 18. Wow. Um, my parents had a, a brokerage. I paid for college by holding open houses and door knocking Amazing. and cold calling. And I really didn't want to uh, do that path. We were kind of, it was the early stages of technology. I was a computer engineer in college and I went down the technology path, but it was in 2004. So what is that? 15 years ago that my wife and I had, it was also like I was kind of burnt out, did a lot of the dot-com startups on the sales side. And we had the ups and the downs of making a fortune. And then the dot-com thing fell out. We said, you know what, let's get back into real estate. So we were going to buy apartments. And so I went to a seminar. This is in 2004. And it was a large seminar. It was one of those kind of sell-a-thon where people are like coming and doing their presentation for an hour. And you'd run to the back of the room and <laughs> sign up for stuff. And I got excited at the time um, on the foreclosure side. Oh. And because this is before anybody even knew what a short sell was. So uh, 2004, right? Mm -hmm. you'd, you'd, say the word, you'd say a short sell to a realtor in 2004, and they're like, what? Bank taking less than full payoff? 
So I actually got excited and I did hundreds and hundreds of uh, uh, pre-foreclosure types of properties that were over leveraged. I, I bought the properties, I negotiated directly with the bank, and then I'd turn around, fix them up and, and sell them. And so I got really excited. I did that from 2004 to 2000 and kind of 2007 when the market started. I started seeing the banks hiding their losses and um, everything was changing. It was very easy to get a short sell accepted, not like it is today. Mm. So I saw that I had like an 80% success rate on my short sells. I would go directly to the asset department and to the vice presidents that were responsible for you know, uh, uh, negotiating the debt. And then all of a sudden it went down to like 10% success rate. And I'm like, I, I thought something was wrong. Like I gave them everything that they asked for and they said, no, the, they'd, they'd rather wait and delay the losses. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this market's gonna implode. So, wow. so I did that, that was, that's what I got excited about. And then I started doing lending after that. So when the market turned, um, you know, all the, all the deal flow for real estate went to the banks, mm -hmm. right? So the deal flow was buying bank owned REOs, foreclosures and HUD properties. And those were t typically rehabbers, but they needed money. And I didn't really like the rehabbing side, so I actually started doing the, the, the lending. So we started lending nice. money to these rehabbers. And so I did that from 2000 and 2000, really 2009 to 2013. And then all of a sudden, the, mar the, the money became very easy to get. And so we changed the model again. That's why I said I'm a little opportunist. Well, I think it's also that you're very good at pivoting. And, you know, I can imagine that from the time you left the dot-com world to getting into real estate, it was very scary, as it always is for entrepreneurs. So I'd love to know if how you felt when you first transitioned into real estate is the same way you felt at each pivot and what's kept you going. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I was really excited. So my uh, I... I, I I, I thought I was selling technology. So I was selling enterprise software uh, during the dot-com era. Um, so, so 19, let's see, I got out of college, 1992. I worked for a large technology consulting firm, Anderson Consulting, now Accenture, largest technology consulting firm in the world. And then I got recruited on the sales side for a startup company that actually ultimately got, uh, went public, cover of Fortune magazine. I was employee seven. And I was on the sales side. And so we're selling like technology that's like, you know, on a CD, mm. you can't even see it. And we're selling it for 500,000 to 5 million. Wow. Right. And, and you're, you're selling it to C-level executives, CEOs, vice presidents of sales. There's a skill in that, people. I'm sure. Yeah. And so when I moved onto the real estate side, I'm like, it was so much easier. I'm like, <laughs> you're talking with sellers, you're negotiating with banks. And so I got really excited about that. Um, you know, in Silicon Valley, you, it's constant change. So if you're not changing and evolving, you're dying. That's a, a saying in Silicon Valley. Technology is constantly changing. Like it, I, my wife and I were talking about Napster. And oh, my gosh. Spotify, right? They were the early innovators, mm -hmm. and they got completely wiped out. Now you've got um, uh, Pandora and Spotify, which is really just the same model. So if you're not changing, you're dying. And so that's what that's what I've been that's embedded in my DNA. And I think for real estate, it's the same thing. Real estate mm -hmm. is constantly changing. Yes. 
Um, right now, the real estate agents are in a lot of markets are really getting, um, they're getting, they're, the, the competition is changing because you've got Open Door and you've got OfferPad and Zillow now competing on the deal flow. And I think the realtors uh, that, that I'm talking to, a lot of the, the really sharp ones, are making changes, realizing that they need to be able they need to be able to come to a seller with more options than just listing the property mm -hmm. and uh, to to stay alive. And so, I th I think you know change is a good thing and should be embraced. And those people, there's a lot of people that, you know, they bang their head against the wall over and over again. And it's like, no, you you need to pivot. Mm -hmm. And I think being being involved in masterminds with other like-minded people in our niche is super important. Um, you know, I'm constantly getting ready to go out. I'll be, um, I'm in a mastermind, I'm leaving this week to St. Louis, and then I'm gonna go speak for um, the number 43 top producer for Keller Williams in Fargo. Wow. And, and mastermind with those guys, really sharp people on, on the market. So I'm involved in nine different masterminds right now around the country. I'll probably even add another nine. one. <laughs> if my wife will allow it so just interacting <laughs> yeah. with other people to really see what the pulse is on the market and um you know and being really focused so i i i'm not it, it's very easy to be distracted in chasing rabbits so chase too many rabbits catch none mm. is the way the saying goes but it's like having your finger on the pulse where's the market going and then what is the course correction in order to be part of the curve as the market shifts and wow. so, um, anyway, I don't know if that's helpful, but that's so helpful. Kind of, no, it's so helpful. Yeah. And it's, it's important that I think people realize you are running multiple businesses. You're taking time for yourself. You're doing all these things. You're also in masterminds for self-improvement and you're speaking. So I would love to know, um, what came first? Did you seek out a mastermind? Did it seek out you? I've had experiences with both. And then when did you decide you wanted to speak? Yeah, um, I didn't even know what a mastermind was other than I knew it from Think and Grow Rich, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, 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 uh, the, the historic book that almost all of us have probably read um, especially on the real estate investor side. So masterminding with like-minded people, but I'd never really been involved in one. It wasn't until 2013. And so there's a mastermind in the real estate investor niche called collective genius. Mm -hmm. It is uh, seven figure, eight figure, uh, investors and agents, about 120 people. And I joined that and that was a life changer. Um, Gosh, some big names that were that, that are that are that are in that group. But Jason Jason Medley ran that. That was my first exposure. Um, now I'm in. I'm one of the masterminds that I'm in is called the Multipliers Mastermind. We get together once a year in Tulum, Mexico. Love in fact, Tulum. the wives cup. Yeah. Um, so there's about 50 of us agents, top producing agents. In fact, uh, Jeff Cohn. You might probably know Jeff. He has Team Builder podcast. He's the number one team for Berkshire Hathaway in the country. They did over 700 transactions last year. So he's in the group and gosh, there's some great Eric Hatch is in the group. He's a real estate agent at a Fargo, uh, top producer for Keller Williams or it was. And so I'm in that group. That's probably my favorite mastermind. It, it's, it's much, it's a lot of real estate entrepreneurs, right? 
investors, agents, and our whole, our whole food chain. Uh, John Pike is a recruiter. Wow. He recruits top producing agents for you know other brokerages, and he's in that group. But I would say it's a very it's a deep group where you know as business owners, you know real estate is one thing. It's you know most of us understand it and know it, but we get there's the life challenges of how do you be great not only running a business and be great at what you do, but also how do you be great at you know, being a leader in your family mm-hmm. and and having balance and making sure that our kids are, you know, especially with everything that's going on with social media, how do we be great at that? And also, how do we give back to society and, mm-hmm. you know, our communities? And how do you balance all of that? So we, we go pretty deep together. Um, it's like a band, band, band of brothers and sisters. And, and, the, yeah. and the ladies, my, my wife came, they, were, they had their own group. That's so awesome. <laughs> It's important. Yeah. I mean, I think I mean, you know this that it can get really lonely too. When you're either the leader at the top or you're the leader at the top and you're also working from home, it it's tough. And so sharing those experiences is important and I've gained so much just from getting a pulse on what's going on in other parts of the country. Um, yeah. especially since I do commercial real estate, knowing what restaurants are popping, who's growing, all of those things is like invaluable. Um, so when did you decide to start speaking? Did your mastermind people, uh, inspire you to do that? What was the first step for you? Well, I, I, I got a confession to make. I actually never really had an interest in speaking. Um, I, if you actually type my name into the internet and you type Gary Boomershine stage fright, <laughs> you will see an article. I was actually diagnosed many, many years ago with severe stage fright. Really? And uh, yeah, so and I've been on stages with thousands of people. Um, I'm on. I speak a lot, and uh, and I still get a little bit nervous. It's good but for it you. Was, um, I, and I've had a lot of coaching on it, but I really didn't. It 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 was sort of. It just happened for me. It was like all of a sudden somebody would invite me. I've been on fan, like Fortune Builders. I was on Fan Merrill, and I would speak at events. Um, actually, Donald Trump was at an event. This is back in 2007, and he was right before me. There were like a thousand oh. people, and I got on stage right after him and wow. an event in Orlando. And uh, and I was all like sweaty, and yeah. like, I had you know paper towel like. Oh but, my gosh. Um, I, I have, you know, I find speaking for me today is um, I love speaking when I can focus on delivering value to others and, and not think about myself. And it's just like, hey, what can I give every time right before I get up on stage? Actually, people, everybody on my team like knows this, but I'll share it in a live setting with you. But I literally do a prayer. Um, every single time, and I listen to uh, Hosanna, Hosanna. Oh my gosh. Um, I always have, before I ever go speak, and always I'm thinking about let it be about them and not about me, because as soon as I get self conscious, things yeah. like go sideways. Like, just let me deliver value and deliver real content and see if I can change lives uh, by delivering something that's meaningful that has mm-hmm. an impact, and then, and then I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's a, that's really helpful to know that it wasn't even on your radar and that it was not something you felt comfortable doing, but shifting. I do the same thing with podcasting too. When I get nervous for an interview or just doing a solo cast, I'm thinking this is going to impact someone's day and that's why I'm going to do it. And I, I really um, agree with you on that. I do. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll add a couple of things. 
I, I love speaking, and I think this would be for the listeners. When you're actually passionate about something, it goes back to what you're passionate and good mm. at, uniquely clarity. qualified. And so clarity, like, you know, a li- building a lifestyle uh, as opposed to building, you know, a business that's all focused on money. I'm passionate about that. And the reason is, is that I've made all the mistakes. And so when I can get up on stage and share the experience and I can see Maybe it'll impact people so they don't make the same mistakes. I'm passionate about that. I was actually in um, Orlando a couple weeks ago. Uh, there's a guy, uh, Rafael Vargas. Uh, gosh, young young guy, 27 years old. They've got a three or four million dollar a year business. Super popular real estate investor and coach. And so a lot of people will go to his events. Well, he, he pe- there were about 150 people in the room. This is like two weeks ago, and they had, uh, these were very, very seasoned people. I think they spent $5,000 a, per, a person to come. And a lot of them had bought, brought their sales acquisition manager. So they were gonna be trained by, on sales for buying houses. Well, the, guy, the speaker uh, became deathly ill um, like 30 minutes before. And so Raphael came up and he said, is there any way, I know you're getting ready to launch your new sales course um, for investors, is there any way you could actually fill in? So I had 20 minutes to prepare. Oh my God. <laughs> and so I literally got up and I spoke for an hour and a half. I had, I had an outline. I had 20 minutes to put my outline together. It was probably my favorite presentation I've ever done in all these years because I was able to, you know, something I'm passionate about around talking to sellers, mm-hmm. um, being able to, especially competing as you're a, real, a lot of real estate investors just come in with these crappy offers. They don't spend any time with the seller. And so when I can talk about an integrity-based model of how to build rapport with the seller and really focus on them, on the problem that they're trying to solve, like, you know, a lot of the, uh, we just did a deal, uh, a perfect example with the seller, and they've had, they have family members squatting in the house. And so that was their big issue. And so we came in and said, look, we'll buy the property as is with the family tenants wow. in the property. You don't have to evict them. You don't have to do anything. We'll deal with the whole thing. So we got a good price on the property and we'll make a good profit, but we're focused on solving the problem for the seller. And so I was able to share that and also, you know, how to basically do multiple offers and how to compete. And, uh, and I loved it. I, a lot of people said that they, uh, they, 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 a lot of people like love that. So anyway, being passionate and something that you're uniquely good at makes mm-hmm. it a lot easier. Yeah, I agree. And I think it goes back to all the people that I interview for this podcast are generally living a life by their design. And it, it kind of shows itself once you find who you are and what you care about. And it sounds like it's almost the same format with speaking. It's speaking something that's genuine and meaningful. Um, But I wanted to know, um, throughout your business, throughout your time as an entrepreneur, going back to a comment you made earlier about being a money magnet, I do think a lot of people as entrepreneurs, CEOs, and even in their personal life can have some mental holdups with regards to money. For instance, I'm reading a book called The Soul of Money right now, and it's really interesting how your money mindset can affect positively, negative, negatively, family life, business life, etc. So, would you say you've had, because you're a money magnet, that it's something that's just been innately a healthy relationship from day one for you, or is it something you've had to work on? 
I've had to work on that. And, um, you know, I, I'm a faith-based guy, and I think that, that that has probably been the biggest impact for me because, you know, it says biblically that the, the love of money is the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. The love of money, not the money, but the, the love of money and idolizing the money. It's so easy, and so many of us, we say we are, we're not, but it's very easy to find that we're idolizing the money. It's like the precious from Lord of the Rings, right? <laughs> And by the way, you can't have it. The, the money, like understanding what money is, it's actually debt. So when you really go into the basic, it's printed and backed by nothing, right? By people that we don't even know who actually printed it. <laughs> and so like being able to release on the money, um, I'll, I'll share a couple things. This is for everybody. I'll, one, of the, one of the biggest changes for us, I was very money oriented, I will tell you. I, I even came home one time, this is like 2007, literally I drove up with a brand new 650i convertible BMW and I didn't even get approval from my wife. I, 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 I'm shocked, it's like, I, what was I thinking? And so now I drive an old, I drive a truck, we buy used cars. Um, one of the best things we've ever done, my wife and I, is Dave Ramsey's uh, Financial University. Because I think a lot of us, most of us, from a very young age, have been taught everything the opposite mm-hmm. about money, right? We're never taught on how to balance a checkbook. Um, I am a huge believer in no debt. Like, you know, my wife and I don't do credit cards. Uh, we have credit cards, but we like zero balances, right? Um, a lot of us become, it says biblically, it's like, don't be a, 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 don't be a slave to the lender. And so giving up. The very first thing, I very first thing is when you actually release on the money and not focus on the money, focus on something else, um, then all of a sudden things started to change. And I'll bring this all back to home around your question around raising money. Um, second thing that I'll share is I call it the five F's. It's now six, but my five F's, mm-hmm. uh, my wife and I, like literally, we even we even vow, we score ourselves. We have a yeah. scorecard on how we're doing it. But it's oh faith. Num- number one, the the five F's, and I'm going to add the six: faith, family, fitness, food, and finance. Okay, we mm-hmm. actually add the sixth one, which is freedom. Islands of freedom. So faith, family, fitness, food, freedom. Islands of freedom and finance in that order. That's the priority that we manage because every time finance, meaning our business and other things starts to creep up at a higher priority, everything for me and other people that I've seen fall out of balance. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's number one. All right, that's, that's, uh, that's been a really important one. So really focusing on faith, you know, spending the time with family and getting that right. Uh, I mean, you and I are both nutrition like eating well mm-hmm. and you know, healthy lifestyle has been a huge one because how we feel, right? We are what we eat. And so our, our, our food, especially here in the United States, is absolutely poisoned, right? So being really watchful because mm-hmm. if we don't have health, we, you know, we're not healthy ourselves. We're not going to have healthy businesses, True. right? So then in terms of raising money, the, the first rule of raising money is don't ask for the money. Like a lot of people go out, like uh, when I teach on how to raise money, you really, you want to, you want to raise money when you don't need it. And you also don't have to ever ask for the money. 
if you do it right, people will come to you wanting to be involved. And so um, I, you know, when I'm raising money, I just tell people what I do, right? I tell people what I do and it's true. It's my story. And so if I'm teaching people how to raise money, I basically say the same thing. For instance, you know, I'm a, I'm a trusted investor and, you know, I, I, it's backed by real estate and I do it with my in-laws and my mom is an investor with me. And, um, and then I spend time kind of like, I don't go in and, and, and start asking for money ever. I do a ski trip every year to Breckenridge. There's like 30 people in that group. And I can't tell you how many people have come to me out of that group and, and, and I've raised money off of them. Um, wow. But I never, I never, I'm, I'm sitting there on a ski lift and what's the first thing that people ask? Like, hey, what are you doing and what's going on in your life? And you just share what you're doing. And maybe you're working on a project um, and you're excited about the project. So people buy or sell or invest to people that they like, trust, and respect, right? Oh, and so, so you know, so anyway, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's I've, I've taught a lot of people how to raise money. And it, it, absolutely, it's like, don't, raise, don't go ask for the money. And also raise money when you don't need it, because as soon as you're desperate, it's like it's like being broke and trying to go buy a house. Mm. And if you come across as desperate, you know, your chances are about as close to zero as humanly you know, possible. Yeah. I love that. And my I have a couple of friends raised trying to raise money right now for startups and they're learning all about that and experiencing challenges with that. So I'm sure they're listening and it's very good advice. And on a tiny, tiny scale, when I first started my nutrition business, same thing. Cause I'm an avid skier, snowboarder talking about what you do on the chairlift and you get three new clients. You know, it's just when you really stand behind what you're doing, it's, um, it's easy. It's an easy sell or uh, you don't have to ask, but there is that line, right? Where you don't want to be eating, sleeping, breathing your business because you don't want that to become you. And I think it's, it's hard to walk that balance. So do you have any daily tips that you do? And, and it might be within those first, uh, five hours it was of your day, um, to just keep yourself even keeled. Yeah. Journal. The journal. I find journal. The journaling is huge. Um, and and by the way, I journal. My my handwriting is terrible. If you saw my journaling, it's really <laughs> doodling. It's, it's literally I sit there and I doodle my thoughts. Mm. But it's really you know you think about like biblical pr principle as well. It's like you put it into writing, right? <laughs> and it said I I think that when we put things into writing. Um, that's when things become real. And so I'll, I'll write my thoughts. Um, I really, I, I, that's a big one in the morning. Um, I think also focusing on what you're thankful for. Spend mm -hmm. a lot of time, like just, just waking up in the morning and the fact that, you know, we're alive and breathing and, you know, spend some time looking around that really has made a big difference. Um, I always read scripture and, you know, or, or motivational, um, I like scripture. I literally just go in and like we're, uh, Psalms, like Psalm 37 is one of my favorite. It has to do with patience. Mm, I need um, patience. <laughs> patience. Psalm 37 is having patience. And that was a life changer. Like, so, so anyway, those, those would be a few things. Um, your one thing of really, especially like, what's the one thing that you're going to do today? 
Uh, it's very easy for us as entrepreneurs to get sucked into like waking up and just going right at it. Mm -hmm. And then at the very end of the day, and it's like seven or eight o'clock at night, you kind of stand back and it's like, what did I accomplish today? Right. Yeah. Besides talking to a lot of people and, and spend a lot of time on email. It's like, be very intentional with your time. I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly intentional. I'd say if anything, I'm really intentional with my time of what I'm doing. And, um, and so, and also, you know, it was, you, it's, it, Rome wasn't built in a day. This has to be planned over a long time. Like I, I hired a COO. It took me a good year wow. to get him to a point where I was kind of like out of the operations. It might've even been a little longer than that. So I invested in the time of finding the right person mm -hmm. and then tr spending the time training. Uh, the other thing is it's very difficult as a business owner to be doing the work and also the leader. Lead, lead, being, being a leader and being a doer are two different things, and it's hard to do both. Mm. And so every, every business needs a CEO, right? Every business needs a, uh, a group of people doing the work and, and trying to do it all on yourself. You know, and, and, and on the long haul, is almost impossible. And that's yeah. why businesses grow. You you know you think about a restaurant, like how could a restaurant owner, you know, be running the, the restaurant, being doing the dishes, mm. right, being the waiter, and being the cook, at the, and and being the marketer for the business at mm. the same time? No, you, you actually there's a a business actually has multiple functions, mm -hmm. and it might be that we're we're doing all that ourselves, but then having a plan of like okay, this is the first person I'm going to hire and being intentional as to the timing and, 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 and not, you know, and not letting it go too, too long without yeah. making those, those decisions. I call them rocks. It's like, what are the three things or four things I'm going to do in the next three months that, that, that are, that, that are going to move the business along? That's incredible. And you kind of just segued into the last question I had for you and then I won't take up any more of your time, but, um, what are your tips for hiring good people? Uh, number one tip is number one tip is don't hire somebody without you got to have clarity on what it is that you want mm. and what your expectations are for them. Like what do they own? So I think hiring is number one around the function having a, a job description as an mm -hmm. example, like I would never hire somebody without first having a clear job description. Yeah. And I know most of us, the idea of doing that is brain damage, right? Because most of us entrepreneurs, the idea of sitting down, it's like, no, I just got to go hire somebody. Mm -hmm. But, but it very rarely works out positively. So you need to write first off, what is the function that you're hiring for? Right. That's just that's a, a two or three yeah. words. Is it a transaction coordinator? Mm -hmm. Is it a sales acquisition manager? Is it a bookkeeper? Whatever it is. And then ultimately, what are the two or three things that they own? Right? Like sales acquisition manager for a real estate investor, they own, you know, a certain number of completed appointments per week, a certain number of uh of offers that they're making on properties per week, a certain number of signed contracts, deals closed, and profits. And so that's when I'm sitting down and I'm hiring somebody, 
I am focused on making sure that there's clarity with mm -hmm. them and they fully understanding what I expect on the ownership. I'm not telling them, you know, like literally, here's what I want you to do, you know, at eight o'clock and nine o'clock and yeah. 10 and then micromanaging. I, I'm telling them what I expect. And then I'm, I'm constantly reviewing that on a weekly basis uh, with metrics. And so that's number one. Um, for hiring, the, I usually like, um, I, I don't really like Craigslist and Upwork. Usually I like to go down paths that I know are gonna, be pr are gonna have a proven outcome. So like on the real estate side, there's a guy by the name of John Pike. Mm. Um, I can, you can put this in the show notes. I actually even have his contact info. Uh, reivault.com forward slash HR, like human resources, reivault.com forward slash HR is his contact info. He's the top, he's a top recruiter for real estate teams in the country. Wow. And, 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 and so I'll go to him and then he'll actually help put together that job description cool. and he'll do all the interviewing. And then ultimately he's giving me three or four really good candidates and then I'm picking them. And then, you know, typically I'll know, like, especially on the sales side, I know within about 30 to 60 days, if I've got somebody that's a keeper. That's amazing. And, and, and then I use what's called get it, want it, GWC and RPRS. Those are the qualifications. Do they get it? Do they get what the job is? Do they want it? And then do they have the capacity to get it done? Mm. And so it's really simple. It's either they're on track or off track. And then uh, hiring fast, firing fast. A lot of people um, that don't have like lots of real estate, you know, ownership, uh, CEO experience, They'll 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 hire uh, they'll hire slow, and they'll fire slow, mm. and that's a, that's that is a huge mistake. When I mean fire slow, they'll have somebody that's a, not even a very good producer. They're like a C minus or a D player, but they'll keep them around because it's like well, at least they're doing something, and and if if, if I fire them, then I have to do it. And it's mm. like no, that's that's you don't want that approach. You want to fire, uh, hire fast, fire fast. And then ha if it's a revolving door, it's fine. Go find the next person. And so mm. we're constantly looking. If, if we don't have the right person, we're looking for the next person right away and not stopping until we find the right person. Yeah. Mm. That's so amazing. Okay. Yeah. I think um, it's got to be daunting to pick people to run your business while you're fly fishing or doing something fun, right? But that's trusting yeah. in your people and that's what a good leader does is trusting people to do their job that with the ideas you've articulated, which you said in the very beginning that you're the ideas guy. And I don't think that everybody is and knowing that you are is, is um, very powerful. So thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, I feel like you're an anomaly. You're doing so many things and you've got so many good tidbits of advice. I wish we had more time, um, but I don't want to jeopardize your time. And I do want you to rattle off the places people can find you. I'll be putting them in the show notes, but I think people need to hear it too. Yeah. Our, the company that I have is realestateinvestor.com. Uh, we were actually just, we were on uh, Fox Business News nationally uh, a couple of times. And so there's a video there. So realestateinvestor.com. A lot of people know us by in the real estate investor niche as REI Vault. Mm -hmm. um, so that's uh, kind of a, that is our kind of our flagship product under realestateinvestor.com. 
Um, I've got a podcast, realestateinvestor.com huddle. Love it. And uh, that's, that's been going on for like nine months. And I've got some really cool people I've interviewed. And um, that's a great place. And then on Instagram, I'm fairly new on Instagram, but I'm definitely putting my morning minute and nutrition tips. And um, here's like the stuff that, I, yeah. that inspires me. So that's Gary Boomershine on Instagram. And uh, yeah, that's amazing. That's, uh, that. I have someone I, I think I want you to interview. Um, out of New York. So I'll send you his contact info. And I would love to stay connected. I, I think what you're doing is awesome. I just followed you on Instagram. So we can stay in touch. And um, thank you so much. Appreciate awesome. your time. It was such a pleasure. Yeah, thanks all your loyal listeners. This was fantastic. I love, the, love this topic. And you're a great interviewer. Oh, well